Well, good morning. So good to have all of you with us today. And if it's your first time at RCC or the first time you've been in a while, we are in our week three of our sermon series entitled Share the Experience. And the question that we've been asking over the last few weeks is this, does the message of the church matter? Literally, is it still relevant? Is there more to it than just believe in Jesus so you can go to heaven one day? In other words, can the message of the church make a difference in your life and your family, in a city, in a community, in a culture, our nation, and ultimately in the world? And we are convinced, as we have asked this question for the last three or four months, it is yes, We are absolutely convinced of that, and I believe that 2020 has proved that. In fact, one of the reminders from this pandemic is that death is a reality for everyone, and no one is promised tomorrow. And as a culture, we seem to do everything we can to avoid that reality, but the truth is everybody lives forever somewhere. And those who don't have a relationship with God are choosing to spend eternity separated from him. And those who choose to accept salvation and relationship with Jesus get to spend eternity with him. So we steward, or you could say it this way, we get to carry this message that Jesus, he came, he died, he rose again to pay the penalty for our sins. Literally, he came to offer us forgiveness for and freedom from our sins, which means We are stewards of the message of eternal life, and we all need to be reminded of that, and we have so many people that we know that need to know that. But as we also have learned for the past few weeks, not only are we stewards of the message of eternal life, but also we are stewards of the message of eternal life and a better life. In fact, in week one, we learned that we are stewards of a message of love and joy and peace and faithfulness and kindness and self-control in a world that is lacking all of those things and desperately needs them. And then last week, we learned that we are stewards of hope in the midst of unexplainable pain and suffering. So this message of the church, it's a big deal. And as followers of Jesus, we need to make sure to share our experience. Now, today what we want to do is we want to focus on how this message, this movement, this message or this movement that was birthed when the Jewish people were under just deep oppression. One of, one of the worst dictators at the time had them oppressed. And there was this movement that was started by a Jewish carpenter who had, think about this, no authority, no power, and only like 12 ragtag kind of followers from a backwoods town in the Middle East. How did it move from that to literally growing and spreading to relatively, in a really relatively short period of time, to every known corner of the world? In fact, have you ever thought about that? I mean, that is pretty amazing when you stop and think about it. Like, why are there people from every nation and people group in the world who basically describe, have the same experience of their life being changed forever by Jesus? It's because of one message that's infinitely different from any other message that's ever been shared on this planet. And it is because the way the early followers of Jesus, they acted as stewards of this message. And the message is the message of grace. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at a passage that is so important for us as a church that has kind of become one of our core truths that we keep coming back to over and over each year. And now what we're about to read, it was a pivotal moment in the early years of Christianity. In fact, the first church 
had launched in Jerusalem on a Jewish holy day called the Day of Pentecost, when, when God gave his Holy Spirit to 120 believers who had gathered together in a room to pray. And immediately after that happened, they went out into the city sharing the message of Jesus with the packed crowds who were in town to celebrate this holiday. And then Acts chapter 2 tells us that over 3,000 Jewish people put their faith in Jesus in one day. And the first church was born. Now that's really amazing when you stop and think about that. In one day, 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus. But here's what else happens. As months go by, this movement grows by the thousands. Matter of fact, there are so many people believing that the city, city leaders, they get upset and they begin killing and they begin imprisoning these followers of Jesus. And what happens is many of these Christians, because of the persecution, they run to safety for all, the, all, all over the region to try to find ways to get away from the persecution. But here's the thing. Everywhere they go, they keep sharing the message. They keep sharing their experience. And so... Jews keep putting their faith in Jesus and churches and gatherings of believers. They begin to spring up in cities and towns all over that little corner of the world. Now, something else that you may not realize is this. These first churches were made up primarily of Jews, people who had grown up practicing Judaism. So in many ways, Judaism was part of their religious identity and it's what kind of made them unique as a people. And then whenever these Jews realized that Jesus really was the long-awaited Messiah, what they did is they placed their trust in him, but they kept practicing Judaism because in their minds, Christianity was just an extension of Judaism, which means it was also only for Jews. Well, in the meantime, there were a few Christians who began telling non-Jewish people or Gentiles about Jesus. Now, these Gentiles, for the first time, they heard that God sent his son into the world, that he died to pay the penalty for their sin, and then he came back to life three days later, and they learned that by putting their faith and trust in Jesus to forgive them their sin, they could have a relationship with their Heavenly Father. And the result of them hearing this incredible message of grace was they believed by the thousands. The only problem is, Word gets back to Jerusalem and the Jewish people, and they aren't so happy because they still think that this should stay exclusively Jewish. So you want to believe in Jesus? Well, you better go through the steps to become a Jew. That was their mindset. So this showdown develops over whether following Jesus also means following Judaism. And they end up having this pivotal meeting in Jerusalem to decide the answer to that question. Now, the reason this is such an incredible story is because it answers the question of why the church still matters. So if you really don't consider yourself a church person or a Christ follower, or if you've never kind of like liked church or you thought it was too complicated and confusing for you, I think you're going to love this because this is a story that's just for you. So we're going to start reading, and I encourage you to follow along in your Bibles. We're going to start reading in Acts chapter 14, verse 27, where we're introduced to two guys who had been telling the Gentiles about Jesus. 
they were known as the Apostle Paul and also Barnabas. And they had been sent by the church into Antioch on this long trip to several cities to share the message of Jesus. And they'd seen a lot of Gentiles believe. So when they get back to Antioch, here's what they report about what happened. Notice what it says, Acts 14, verse 27. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and they reported all that God had done through them. And don't miss this, how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And again, this is like big breaking news. This is new kind of information because it was proof that everybody on the planet could have a relationship with their heavenly father. But then the controversy starts from this. Acts chapter 15, verse 1. Some men came down from Judea, which was the region where Jerusalem was located. So here's what happened. Some men came down from Judea or the area of Jerusalem to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. And all of these Gentile guys are thinking, wait just a minute. Like, nobody told us that. But these Jewish religious leaders from Jerusalem are saying, it's true. You can't be a Christian just by putting your faith in Jesus. You've got to practice Judaism too. And step one is this thing we call circumcision. So we got this tent set up back. And, and when your number's called, you, you just come on back and, and we'll get started. I mean, you talk about weeding out the uncommitted. That would do it. That would even weed out the most committed. This thing goes on. Notice verse 2. This brought the Apostle Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with these leaders from Jerusalem. In fact, so the Apostle Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers then they go to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. So apparently this discussion got so heated that they all decided they're going to head back to Jerusalem and they're going to take this up with the apostles and the elders. Now, who are the apostles and the elders? Well, the apostles and the elders were the men who were close to Jesus. They had sat under all his teachings. They knew what he said. So when people had questions about what Jesus thought about an issue, they would naturally go to them with their questions. Let's look at verse 4. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything that God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, they stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. Now, here's why they said that. Circumcision and the law of Moses were two key components of Judaism. And so these Pharisees, they're saying, it's not an option. To be a follower of Jesus, you've got to take these two steps. You can't just have a relationship with God by putting your faith in Jesus. It's Jesus and obedience to the law of Moses. That's what identifies you as a Christian. That's how you join the movement. Now, before you get too judgmental of these Pharisees who are saying this was what was required, oftentimes... We do the same thing, don't we? We do something like Jesus and a political party and Jesus and a certain theological viewpoint. 
we oftentimes fall into the same kind of trap. It's Jesus and something else as well. But this story goes on. Verse 6. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. Is it Jesus Christ and something else? Circumcision and the Moses Law. So, does being a follower of Jesus require following Judaism or not? Is Jesus enough or does it need to be Jesus and to have a relationship with God? So here's what happened. After much discussion, Peter got up and he addressed them. Here's what he said. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. Now what Peter's referring to is a story that you can read in Acts chapter 10 where God told Peter through a dream that he wanted him to share the message of Jesus with the Gentile in Caesarea, a man by the name of Cornelius. So Peter does that, and to his amazement, all these Gentiles believe, and God visibly pours out his spirit on them. So Peter is saying, guys, I already told you God is doing this. God is the one who started this all. In fact, Peter was the guy who kind of got the ball rolling, but he watched what God do by the pouring out of his Holy Spirit. In fact, notice what happens in verse 8. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. And then he goes on and he says, and he made no distinction between us and them. For he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God? To which I'm sure they thought, we're not testing God. We're, we're testing these Gentiles. And, and we're making sure that they're sincere about following Jesus. And, and Peter's going, no, no, no. You're saying what God requires to have a relationship with him isn't enough. You're adding to it and you're raising the bar and you're making it more difficult for these Gentiles. In fact, notice the last part of verse 10. He says, why then do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear or you could say to keep? In other words, Peter's saying, how have we Jews done at keeping all 613 laws? And they all knew the answer, not very well. So Peter goes, so why would we be so arrogant to expect the Gentiles to keep them all? And then how can we think that they can't have a relationship with God if they don't follow all this, but we can even though we don't keep all the laws? And then Peter, he makes an incredibly powerful statement that explains why the message of the church matters so much. Notice the next part. No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Wow. See, to be saved by God's grace, what Peter is saying is to be saved by God's grace is means to have your sins forgiven. Your, your sinful nature be changed. To be brought into a right relationship with your heavenly Father, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus Christ did. In fact, don't miss this. You might want to write it down. Grace is the unexpected, unearned, and undeserved favor of God. And it's given freely to all who choose to trust fully in their heavenly Father for redemption. So Peter says, hey, 
our salvation, it's not because we're so good at following the rules or following the Judaistic religion. It's not because we're so righteous and so good that we're forgiven and freed from our sin. He says, no, it's because of what God has already done for you on the cross. It is through grace and grace alone that you have a relationship with God. So again, does the message of the church matter? Absolutely. Because we are stewards of a message that everybody so desperately craves and everybody is so, I mean, they so desperately need. In fact, here's how you could say it. God has made us stewards of the message of grace. That's just an amazing message. So when Peter gets finished explaining grace, here's what happens next in verse 12. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and the Apostle Paul telling about the miraculous signs and the wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Now, James had a lot of influence because he was the half-brother of Jesus, and so he grew up with Jesus, and he saw all the life and the ministry of Jesus. And so he's got amazing influence. And what James does is he explains to them how the Old Testament prophesied that this message would be for everyone, even the Gentiles. And then he makes a statement that is basically the mission. It is the thing that fuels our church. Verse 19, he says, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Literally, James says, Jesus made it simple. We shouldn't complicate it because this message of grace, it isn't just for Jews or religious people or church people. It is for everybody. He says, you are saved through the grace of Jesus, and it's that simple. And I'm telling you, folks, this right here was a big moment because if those Jewish leaders would have chosen to complicate the message of Jesus, history might have been very different. We might not even be sitting here today. Instead, to their credit, they said, you don't have to be Jewish to follow Jesus. And the message of grace as a result of that is spread around all the known world. And now here we are, stewards of this very same message of grace that they had. A message that I'm telling you, it is so unique because no other belief system teaches that. Even in our sin and our rebellion, we can have a right standing with God. Not because of anything that we do, but simply because of what Jesus Christ has already done. So what does that mean for us who are Christ followers? What does that mean for all of us who are part of this church we call RCC? Well, our responsibility is to see that no one misses the grace of God. It is to create experiences that do not make it hard for unchurched people to hear of God's grace. And that means this, that no matter how difficult that might be, no matter how many times we get it wrong, we have to try again. No matter whatever it takes, we have to do what it takes. We just have to keep creating experience. Experiences that make it simple for people to turn to God. We've got to keep creating experiences where the most biblically illiterate never understood that, don't think I like church people, can hear of God's grace in spite of their doubts and questions and skepticism and fears. 
because ultimately there is nothing more important for them to experience than this message of the grace of God. That responsibility, the fact that we are stewards of the message of grace, that is why it's so important for you to keep inviting your friends who aren't in church and your friends who are far from God so they can hear of God's incredible, amazing grace. It's why we have to share the experience because we believe everybody is invited to have a relationship with their heavenly Father. We steward the message of grace. That's why it's important that you continue to give of your time to serve in this place. Because whether somebody is 8 or they're 80, they deserve the opportunity to experience a church that's full of people who help them see and understand the grace of God. Now, I'm just going to tell you, one of the best places to learn to steward this message of grace is by being part of a small group. See, if you're a leader, I just want to say thank you. If you're not part of a group, I would so encourage you to become part of one. Here's why. Because when you're rubbing shoulders with other people week after week, things get real. And when things get real, it's through that experience that we learn to steward this message of grace. So when you came in today, there was a small group brochure in your seat or on your seat and I would encourage you to look over it to see what group might be right for you. And if you've got any questions, you can ask someone at the gallery on your way out. Or you can sign up for a group on the pastoral update card that was inside your worship guide. Or you can go online to our app or our website and you can sign up there. But let me just say this. Groups are just an incredible place where we learn to steward the message of grace. So I would, ensure, I would really encourage you to be part of one. Now... As we close today, I want to address three groups of you that are listening to this. First of all, to those of you who are followers of Jesus and you've experienced his grace, do you really realize what you have? Do you realize the message that God has placed in our hands? Do you realize how important what we do collectively as a church family is in this world? See, our job is to live and share the message of Jesus in such a clear and creative and compelling way that nobody misses the message of grace. Does the message of the church matter? Absolutely, because we don't just steward the message of eternal life. We are stewards of the message of a better life. It's a life of love and hope and forgiveness. All and that is possible because of this incredible message of grace. So as a church body, man, I just want to challenge you to continue joining us in stewarding this message well. Because here's the thing. Our job as followers of Jesus Christ is to see it, to see to it that no one misses out on the grace of God. We, I'm telling you folks, we have to share the experience. We must not make it difficult for people who are turning to God. So let's invite consistently, let's serve faithfully, let's connect regularly in groups, and let's give generously so that we can keep it simple for everybody to experience this amazing, amazing grace. Now to another group of you, if you've never accepted God's incredible gift of grace, we want to give you an opportunity to do that in just a moment. And here's what we're going to ask you to do. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads 
and there are many of you who've never embraced God's grace and chose to have a relationship with him. You've never stopped trying to earn God's favor. You've never chosen to accept this gift of a right standing with God that comes from God through faith in Jesus freely by grace. And today is a day that I, I think it's your day to start following Jesus and, and, and give him all your sin and give him all your guilt and give him all your shame and just receive that incredible free gift of grace. There's nothing more powerful than being freed and living in grace. So we think today is your day for that. We're going to give you a moment to receive that in a moment. There's a, another group of you, and you're followers of Jesus, but you're in rebellion right now. You're, you're not running toward God right now. You're running away from him because of the guilt and the shame and the things that you carry with you because of what you've done. But here's what I want to say to you. Whether you're coming to God for the very first time or, or you're coming back to him, there's only one way to get grace, and that's just to humble yourself before our Heavenly Father and say, God, today I want to receive this gift of your amazing grace. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Thank you for coming in my heart and being my Lord and my life leader from this day forward. So I'm going to pray for us in just a moment. And I'm going to just let you ask God for his grace and his forgiveness. But don't ever forget this about grace. Grace is the unexpected, unearned, and undeserved favor of God. And it's given freely to all who choose to trust fully into their Heavenly Father for their redemption. Will you do that today? Will you come back to him and receive his grace? Or will you receive it for the very first time? That's our challenge for you today. And as a Christ follower, will you lean in to be a steward of this message of grace? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this incredible, incredible message that you have given us the opportunity to carry in this world. God, our world craves it, but they don't even realize it. Our world desperately needs it, and sometimes they don't even realize it. So I pray that you help us be a people, a group of people who steward this message of grace well. May we be people of grace as we serve and we give, as we share, as we do our life. And right now, Heavenly Father, for those who have been listening, who call themselves Christ followers and have become complacent, in fact, even have moved into rebellion and they're running from you because of guilt and shame, may this be the moment that they say to you, Jesus, I, I need your grace. Forgive me of my sin. I return my focus and reset my heart on following you. God, may, may they decide today, this is my moment when I'm going to steward the message of grace well. God, for those who are listening today and, and they have never received the gift of grace, they, they've never asked for forgiveness of their sin. The only time they've possibly even prayed is in moments of desperation. But today, they understand that grace, it's more powerful than compassion and, and forgiveness. And grace, it solves about anything because grace, grace is greater than all of our sin. And so may their prayer be, Jesus, today, I know that I am a sinner in need of a Savior, and I ask you to come in my heart and forgive me of all of my sin. 
And I thank you for your grace. And because of your grace, I choose to follow you from this day forward. And I don't know every step that means I'm going to need to take, but I'm just going to keep coming back. I'm going to keep learning and I'm going to keep growing and following you, Jesus. Thank you for your gift of amazing grace. God, I thank you for what you're going to do in our communities. And God, I just even pray in our nation, our world, as, as we continue to steward, steward this incredible message of your unearned, undeserved, unexpected favor. Thank you that it's available for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that gift of grace, let us know that. If you're online, let us know that by sending us an email or reaching out to us through the Connect card on the app. Or if you're sitting in the room today, hey, let us know on that pastoral care update card. We want to help you take your next step so you can experience the freedom that grace can bring, the life change that you can experience because of God's incredible grace. Hey, thank you so much for being with us. Let's all go out and steward this message of grace. Have a great day.